It started as a simple Google search rooted in curiosity. I wondered, who would the all-knowing Google list as the wisest man in the world? Turns out, Google says it's Christopher Michael Langan. Who knew? Langan is reported to have endured a very brutal, difficult childhood, according to a Wikipedia article on his life. Langan's biological father left before he was born and is said to have died in Mexico. Langan's mother married three more times and had a son by each husband. Her second husband was murdered, and her third died by suicide. That was so much tragedy for him and his family. Langan grew up with a fourth husband, Jack Langan, who has been described as a failed journalist who went on drinking sprees and disappeared from the house, locked the kitchen cabinets so the four boys couldn't get food in them, and used a bullwhip to discipline them. When Chris was just a boy, his intellectual brilliance was noted. He skipped multiple grades in elementary school, and in his latter years of high school, he was allowed to teach himself as the school staff could not challenge him. Well, Chris, why don't you come up and teach, because clearly you know more than we do. In his last two years of high school, Langan taught himself philosophy, physics, advanced math, Greek, and, just for fun, Latin. He scored a perfect score on the SAT, even though he fell asleep in the middle of it. His IQ is thought to be somewhere between 195 and 210. So the idea of Christopher Michael Langan being the most intellectual person alive, that's not too much of a stretch. If not the most intelligent, that's plausible. However, that does not make the Google search result valid that he was the wisest. In fact, in his later years, he became an advocate for multiple conspiracy theories, and he exhibited some pretty harsh racial and anti-Semitic tendencies. Brilliant? You bet. Wise? Not so much. Wisdom is a wonderful commodity. It's highly commended in Scripture. When we consider wisdom from the pages of the Bible, one name immediately comes to mind. Solomon. God assured Solomon there would never be another one as wise as him. He is the standard bearer for what wisdom looks like in a life, and he is the cautionary tale for what wisdom looks like when it's not any longer in that life. And we'll hear more about his story right after this. Welcome to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast, brought to you by Word of Flame Curriculum and the Pentecostal Publishing House. This podcast encourages adult disciples to think deeply about God's Word, further develop their personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and make a greater commitment to the purpose and plan of God for their lives. Let's dive into today's lesson and explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. Good day to you, God's Word for Life listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry. I'm your host, and you're listening to the God's Word for Life Companion Podcast. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I'm glad you're with me. We are taking a look at the last episode of this series entitled David and Solomon, and this episode is entitled Solomon Asks for Wisdom, found in 1 Kings 3, verse 9. Give, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? Come with me to Gibeah. Gibeah was the first capital of the kingdom of Israel during the reign of King Saul. It was located in what is now the northern part of Jerusalem. It was considered a high place of worship. Solomon traveled there to sacrifice to God. He took over a thousand animals to offer as a burnt offering to God. And while he was there, God spoke to Solomon in a dream that would forever change his life. 
and people dream at night. For that matter, I think our little dog dreams at night because he's barking at somebody while his eyes are closed. But people dream at night during what's known as rapid eye movement or REM sleep. And though some may not remember their dreams, but according to science, everybody dreams. The best studies indicate that dreams originate in the brainstem, but but the prefrontal cortex, hello science lesson, it's that part of the brain associated with higher level reasoning, is not active when we sleep, which is why <laughs> in your dream you could be running on a basketball court and feel like your feet are in concrete because you don't. it doesn't have to make any sense. That's why some dreams are just so strange. That part of the brain that tells us eh, it's unreasonable that you would be flying across the country in your recliner while being chased by giant winged aardvarks, <laughs> that part of the brain is asleep. And for that reason... It's very dangerous to ascribe scriptural significance to every dream we have. Some may be from God, and some maybe not. Many are just biological, physiological, psychological responses to life, and they have nothing to do with God speaking to us. However, we do find examples in Scripture where God used dreams to speak to people. In fact, this method is specifically promised to us as members of the New Testament church. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Acts 2, verse 16 through 17. I think that's beautiful. I think, you know what? Guys, I need to hear from God, so I'm going to go take a nap. That is the best possible way to live life. (laughs) I'm going to hear from the Lord and take a nap. So let me ask you this question. Have you ever had a dream you believe was from God? And what made that dream different from regular dreams you've had in the past? During his dream in Gibeah, God extended a remarkable, unqualified offer to Solomon. No fine print. In Gibeah, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give thee. 1 Kings 3 verse 5. Now try to imagine the import of those six simple words. Ask what I shall give thee. Ask, Solomon, anything you want. No limits, no boundaries. This is better than an American Express black card. There is no limit. Whatever you want, Solomon, it's yours for the taking. God's resources are obviously unlimited. But the will of God, well, that's what we want. And we must ask for the will of God for the right reason, the right motives. And when we do that, we're given essentially the same promise regarding our work in the kingdom of God. Whatever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. John 14, verse 13 through 14. God is able to do anything, but we need to advance the cause of Jesus Christ in the will of God. That word from God for Solomon was the first time Solomon heard directly from his Creator. It might have been difficult for him to believe such a thing was happening, that God really did give him the checkbook in the pen and said, I'll sign it, you write it. It would have been easy for him to discount it as, well, it was just my imagination, or it was just clearly a too many pomegranates right before bed. Solomon heard God's voice, and Solomon received God's promise. We must be willing to hear God's voice. If it comes through the scriptures, comes through our spiritual authority, like our pastor or preacher, comes through the voice of God's spirit, God wants to communicate with us, but we must be willing to hear his voice. More than a few times, scripture uses the phrase, if any man have ears to hear, let him hear. 
You can see that in Matthew 11, verse 15, Mark 7, verse 16, Luke 14, verse 35, Revelation 2, verse 7. When God speaks, we must respond. It's not just enough to nod or acquiesce. We must respond to God. He requires a proactive response to what he tells us. And Solomon proved this to be true. Staggering at the offer God had offered him, Solomon did not hesitate to make his request. He responded in faith. If God extended such a promise, he would cling to it. He could have asked for anything. He could have asked for a long life. He could have asked for his enemies to have a short life. He could have asked for more power, more popularity, more fame, more money. Instead, Solomon wanted to improve the quality of the people's lives over whom he reigned. He recognized, man, I'm young. I'm inexperienced. I'm really ill-equipped to lead this nation. I'm going to fight battles that are beyond me. I, I don't have it in me to fight. I don't know what to do. And that humility compelled him to make the following wonderful, God-honoring request. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? First Kings 3 verse 9. How did Solomon have the wisdom to ask for wisdom before he had wisdom? What guided Solomon's choice at this pivotal point in history? How about in his history? How about in Israel's history? Maybe we find the answer later in Proverbs, which is another one of Solomon's writing. For he said, For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. He taught me also and said unto me, Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Proverbs 4, verses 3 through 4 and verse 7. When God handed Solomon that blank check, that limitless credit card, Solomon knew he was not wise enough to get this one right. So he thought back to a conversation, many conversations he had with his own father, King David. He might have recalled David's emphasis on the importance of wisdom and allowing that instruction to direct his response to God's request. Never underestimate how godly instruction you give to your children can benefit them at critical moments in their lives. Bringing us to probably the best question of the lesson. If God were to hand you a blank check drawn on his supply, what would you ask for and why? And you probably guessed that is our God's Word for Life question of the week. If God gave you the dream he gave Solomon, God gave you the offer he gave Solomon, ask whatever you want, I'll give it to you. What would you ask for? Find us on Facebook. The link is in the show notes. Answer that question on our Facebook page. I'd love to hear your requ- your responses. And I know some of them are probably going to be sanctified. <laughs> I would only ask for all the world to be saved, and that's wonderful. And then some, maybe not so much. I would ask for a family of Bugattis to grow in my neighborhood. <laughs> whatever your response, I'd love to hear it. Solomon's response was selfless, and God was pleased. He promised Solomon that because you did not ask for wealth and military might or long life, I will add all these blessings over and above this wise heart I will grant in response to your request. Time, and time alone, would demonstrate God kept his word as Solomon's wealth and kingdom continued to take the breath away even from other world leaders. But while the promise of a wise heart was fulfilled unconditionally, at least one of the additional blessings included a caveat. If you will walk in my ways to keep my statutes and commandments as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. First Kings 3, verse 14. 
God tied the length of Solomon's days to his willingness to keep God's commandments and walk in covenant obedience to God. But if Solomon failed to do so, Solomon was breaking this covenant, not God, and this promise of length of days was not binding. We have to be aware there are conditions tied to many of God's promises. If you, then will I. If you, I will. God is gracious. He's kind. Even to enter into any kind of covenant with us, it is the grace of God. He doesn't have to. He doesn't owe us. He's not indebted to us. We don't deserve what Peter called exceeding great and precious promises. But in many cases, those promises are conditional. They have stipulations regarding our conduct. If we will observe God's word, God will always keep his word to us. Why do you believe many of the promises of God have conditions attached to them, and how does that help us to live our lives to please him? Solomon's example should guide us in our responses to God's promises. Our prayers must be ever humble, kingdom prayers, so we can secure from God what we need to effectively serve God in his kingdom. Obviously, to lead a nation as great and vast as Israel and Holy, they were God's chosen people. That's not an easy task. That's a tall task. And Solomon knew that, which is why his request for wisdom was so proper. Solomon settled into this new assignment, leading God's people, judging God's people. God's answer to that request was quickly on center stage. Two immoral ladies, and that's probably saying it kindly, lived in the same house. Each of them had a child born three days apart. They appeared before Solomon with a horrific story. Overnight, one of the ladies rolled over onto her child, her newborn, and suffocated him. She discovered that she had accidentally killed her son. She was grief-stricken. She picked up her lifeless baby. She placed her baby next to the other lady, and she took the living baby and placed him next to herself. And in the morning, when they woke up, Each of the mothers claimed that the living baby was theirs. How in the world is the king going to determine which baby belongs to which mother? There is no DNA test. There is no daytime talk show to ask the host to order a DNA test because there is no daytime talk show and there is no DNA test. So how will the king know? The king will know because the king asked for wisdom and God granted it. God supernaturally invested wisdom into Solomon and then prompted him what to do. And so Solomon, sitting there on his throne with all of his advisors and counselors and security and everybody all around wondering, how will this newly crowned king wisely sort this out? Solomon said, bring me a sword. Everybody froze. We're going to divide the living child in in half, and we'll give one half to one mother and the other half to the other. If there's no way to know which baby belongs to which mother, Then we'll just divide the one that is alive. Each one will have half a baby, and each one will be happy. There is no way. This young king has no idea what he's doing. David has made a mistake by saying Solomon should be the king. He he can't be the king. This this can't happen, not in Israel. Oh, my, what, what, what? And then all of a sudden, the true mother of the child, the one who truly knew which child was hers, raised her hand and yelled out, She can have him. Let... Let her have this baby. She can have him. Don't don't do that. Don't kill him. Don't please. She can have him. And the other mother said, 
You know what? That's a great idea. Let's do that. Each one of us gets half of them. Each one of us walks away happy. Let's do that. And Solomon wisely, thanks to God, discerned which mother was the real mother because only the real mother would have that maternal instinct. We'll do whatever I can, but that baby's going to live. And Solomon said, I believe we have our real mother. The one who cried for the baby to live is the real mother. And scripture records all of Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to do judgment. First Kings 3 verse 28. This wisdom glorified God, not Solomon. Glorified God. And it solidified Solomon's standing as Israel's natural sovereign. Nobody could ever doubt that this man was truly God's selected leader to lead God's people. Do you believe God likes for people to see his blessings on display in your life? And why or why not? How can those blessings be used to glorify God, not us? Wisdom, it is a commodity of inestimable worth. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. Proverbs 8 verse 11. Wisdom is primarily a spiritual commodity. Experience alone can't give it to you. A book can't give it to you. A class can't give it to you. The only book that can give you wisdom is the Word of God. No book that was simply written by men can provide that wisdom. God will not give us wisdom in the measure he did to Solomon. That was special. Because God himself declared there would never be another to rival the wisdom God gave Solomon. But God has given us a wonderful promise to be the source of wisdom in our lives, according to James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. James 1, verse 5. Every one of us should regularly and sincerely ask God for this wonderful gift of wisdom to help us serve him effectively, just as Solomon did. Wisdom that comes from the Word of God, wisdom that comes from our spiritual authority, wisdom that comes from the voice of God's Spirit living within us allows us to make right decisions that positions us for success living for God. Solomon's days witnessed his submission to godly wisdom and his rejection of it. If you read the rest of Solomon's life, Solomon unwisely, foolishly began to worship other gods and turn his heart away from God to other gods who did not give him one ounce of wisdom. It's possible to be the wisest man on earth, Solomon, and still make foolish decisions if we do not live our lives to follow and glorify God. Let's do what Solomon did well. Let's ask God for wisdom. And let's do better than what Solomon did. Let's continue to walk in that wisdom. Last question. What practical steps can you take this week to live a life that is better guided by the wisdom of God? And with that, we wrap this up. Millions of people owe him their lives. But chances are great you've probably never heard of Stanislav Petrov. Stanislav Petrov's exercise of wisdom on one fateful day in 1983 literally changed the course of civilization. Many actually credit him with saving the world. It was a fateful Monday, September 26th of 1983. Tensions were high between the United States and the Soviet Union. Just three days earlier, the Russians had shot down a Korean Airlines Flight 007, thinking it was a United States spy plane. 
killing all 269 passengers and crew members on board. Lieutenant Colonel Petrov was at his post as the duty officer at the command center for the Oko Nuclear Early Warning System in Moscow. And on that Monday night, the Soviet satellite system reported the launch of an American intercontinental ballistic missile, an ICBM, followed closely by five more. All the Russian military protocols call for an immediate and massive retaliatory strike before the American missiles could hit their targets and render the Soviets' capacity to respond moot, void, worthless. This was one of those tragedies that they would train for. You must be ready when you see that type of aggression from the Americans. You respond in kind, if not more so. But Lieutenant Colonel Petrov Something wasn't just right. He thought, why would the Americans only launch six missiles when they have thousands to launch? He couldn't get that out of his head. He disobeyed orders. He delayed long enough to double-check their systems, only to learn that he was right. The alarm had been generated by a computer malfunction. Experts stated by his actions, Petrov likely saved the lives of half of the citizenry of Russia, the U.S., and every other NATO country. Wisdom. Wisdom allowed this unsung hero to spare millions from the horrors of an all-out nuclear war with nearly none of them knowing just how close to the brink we came. While the chances of one of us ever being in such a pivotal position are minuscule and thankfully for that, every one of us faces a collection of choices of equal magnitude. What will we do about our souls? How will we respond to Jesus? Will we live faithfully for him? How will we serve his kingdom? Where will we spend eternity? These matters are so significant we should never consider making them on the foundation of just human reasoning. Only godly wisdom can really guide such monumental decisions. One man wants to find wisdom as the ability to see life from God's point of view. All of us should seek to acquire that ability so we can make every decision from God's point of view, not just ours. That's true of the daily choices we make, and that's true of those major, monumental, magnificent choices we make that really affect our lives. If we could just see those crossroads, those intersections from God's point of view, we could much more easily make the right decision because we could see where that would lead. Let's pray for wisdom. Let's pray for wisdom. Let's ask God to give us wisdom. He's promised in his word. Let's take this request to him and ask him to help us to seek that wisdom with humility, that when he grants it to us, we use it for his glory, not our own. Lord Jesus, we need you and we need wisdom. We need to know what to do. We need to know how. We need to know what we should do with our lives that will bring glory to you. I pray, give us wisdom. You offered us this offer that if we would ask, you would give it liberally and you would not rebuke us for it. And so we ask in humility that you would help us to know what to do. Give us an understanding heart. Help us to judge between what we ought to do and to do it right. I ask you today, Jesus, use us for your glory. Lead us, help us to make right decisions and help us to follow you, not just part of, but all of the days of our lives. I ask you for this. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, God's Word for Life listeners. Follow, like, subscribe, notify, share. Let others know about the podcast. That's a wise move, something to do to bless others. 
And head over to PentecostalPublishing.com. We have got amazing resources, God's Word for Life curriculum. The entire suite and family of resources is all right there. And if you have just come back from General Conference, I hope you had a wonderful time here in Indy. I hope you will also head over to the Formed Conference podcast. We'll be available on Google, Apple, and Spotify, but right now, the pilot episode, which is the one that just introduces this new Formed podcast, will be available on our YouTube channel. If you look at Pentecostal Publishing House on YouTube, you will find the Formed podcast, which is teacher training in the local church. You will find Holiness by Leanne Alexander, Discipleship is the Process, Holiness is the Result. And you will find the newly formed Ministry Central podcast by Darren Sargent, all about training, making sure we're training all of us to be better at what God has called us to be. All of those are on our YouTube channel, and again soon will doubtless be available also on audio. But you can watch the video and listen to the audio at the same time. YouTube, look for Pentecostal Publishing House. Next week... We are into the brand new month of October. I cannot believe we are already in October and we're in a new series and I am super excited about this series, The Parables of Jesus. I love the parables. I love story. We're going to have a great time together. Looking forward to sharing that with you next week and always look forward to learning and living out God's Word for Life. Thank you for listening to God's Word for Life Lesson Companion Podcast where together we explore what it means to live out God's Word in our lives. If you haven't yet, make sure to subscribe to this podcast. And if you are looking for other Bible study tools and resources to encourage you in your walk with God, visit us today at PentecostalPublishing.com.